Last week, we talked about can we trust the words of God or can we trust the Bible to build our life on? Okay, so what we're trying to do as we walk through this series is take some of these difficult questions, difficult ideas, and put them to the test. Fact check them. See if this is really something we can believe, really something we can wrap our minds around. And as I said from the beginning, and I'll say again today, I will probably not give you an answer that will satisfy you. In all of these different topics, I can't physically get your mind to wrap around these ideas in a way that you're going to be like, man, that totally makes sense. Because if we could figure everything out, why would we need God? If we could just know everything, why would we need God? We would have all the knowledge in the world. We'd be able to explain everything. We'd be able to describe everything. So my goal in this series is to help push you towards the answer. For you to keep diving in, for you to keep looking at some of these different ideas and kind of come to the conclusion yourself. So today what we are going to do, and I'm not going to dive super deep. There's so much good on this if you want to look on YouTube and look at some different people I would challenge you to watch some different, different people. If you want specific people, let me know. But we're going to dive in. Christianity is the one true religion. Is the one true religion. Okay? So we're going to fly a very high overview of it. So we're not diving too deep. And you're not going to probably get all this info that you're like, man, this is going to exactly prove that the Christianity is the one true religion. Okay? So as we get started, I want you to think about maybe on your way to church this morning if you were paying attention to the way you came to church, okay? So I live over this direction. I'm not telling you where, but I live over this direction. And so when I go home, when I pull out my phone, if I were to, I I don't because I know where I live, but if I were to pull out my phone and I were to get on Google Maps on my phone and show, show you, this is Google Maps, and I were to type in my address, what is going to happen is it's going to take me the very fastest route to the place that I want to go. Okay? So if I type in my address and then I push start, it's going to take me the fastest route to get to my house. Or maybe you go somewhere, especially those that drive and you don't know where to go, so you put it in your GPS and it tells you the fastest way to get there. Now, if you were to look at this and you were to say, well, I'm going to be honest, this isn't the fastest way and you click on one of the other routes, you're going to see the different amounts of time that are on those routes. Okay? So you could click on this one and say, no, I think this one's faster. And it's going to tell you, well, this one's 55 minutes instead of 54 minutes. Well, this one's 52 minutes and this one's 45 minutes. And so you can keep clicking on all these other different routes when you're trying to figure out where to go, but there is only one true fastest way to get there. Now, okay. You want to drive faster, you can make it faster on another route, okay, whatever. But on Google Maps, they are going to give you the fastest route, and it's the one true fastest route that you can get. You can't argue with it. It's going to give you what you need to know. This is the one way that's going to get you there the fastest, and you just have to believe that that's the right way, and then put it to the test. I was always, my dad always used to say when you had the old... Garmin's and I forget some of the other ones. He had one of those GPS you actually stuck up like on the window and he would type in and he was always surprised that it would get it within a couple minutes. 
when it said we were going to arrive there. So let's say we're going to arrive there at 10. We could get there at 9.59, 10.01, 10.02. And he was always like, man, I can't believe this thing's right. But it's taking you the fastest way to get from point A to point B. And this is the one true way to get there. At one point or another, you've probably asked yourself the question, is Christianity the one true religion? How can I believe that this is the one true religion and that with all these other religions that are swirling in the world, how are none of these ones right? I've wrestled with it. There's so many different ones and so many of these other ones also have different followings so, so how are we supposed to know Christianity is the one that we're supposed to follow? Well, I hope this morning I can point you in the right direction. I hope I can give you some guidance, help lead you towards it, so that you can keep on digging, keep putting it to the test. And so here's what I want to unpack in the next few minutes. Christianity is exclusive, but very inclusive. Okay, Christianity is exclusive, but very inclusive. Now hear that because you can hear the word exclusive and immediately like shut off and go, well, Christianity isn't exclusive. Let me explain when I dive in here this morning. Okay? Let me read a few stats for you, though, as we get started. 52% of young people have little or no trust in organized religion. Nearly one in three of affiliated young people do not think it is important to have a faith community. You got people by you, one out of three of you don't think it's important to be in a faith community. 70% of Christians and non-Christian religious groups say many religions lead to eternal life. 70%. Many religions lead to eternal life. 48% believe if someone is generally good or does enough good things, they can earn a spot in heaven. It's about 50% of us. If you take this room, there's about 30 in this room. 15 of you would say, generally, if you're a good person and you do good things, you can make it to heaven. And 50% eventually accept, or eventually everyone is accepted by God no matter what they do. 50% eventually believe that God will accept all of us no matter what we do in life, no matter what decisions we make in life, whether we accept him into our heart or not, he'll eventually accept us. 50% believe that. These are pretty staggering numbers as we look at our culture around us trying to wrestle with what's religion like. And even more of your generation is starting to to kind of go towards the camp that we don't need religion at all. We don't need it. Sure, I'll, I'll believe in God, maybe, but, but I don't want to be a part of a religion, so to speak. I don't want to be put in this box where, where you're telling me and labeling me as that. That's more where your generation is starting to go. And even millennials started going that way, which I'm on the tail end of millennials and the beginning of Gen Z. I'm in both of these camps where we started to kind of pull away from this little box you're putting us in. How are we supposed to, to make sense of this all? Well, I want to begin as we look at Christianity being exclusive, but very inclusive, as we dive into first looking at Christianity as exclusive in Acts chapter 4. Two verses that I want you to start to look at as we look at this idea, Christianity is exclusive. We'll look at the two sides. Exclusive, very inclusive. Okay. Here's what it says in verses 11 and 12 in Acts chapter 4. For Jesus is the one to, one referred to in the scripture where it says, The stone that you builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. There is salvation 
and no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Let me read verse 12 again, because you've got to catch that. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Christianity is exclusive. It's just like I was very infatuated about my senior year of high school as I was trying to define what, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with my life? And so as I was kind of tossing around in my head, what, what's going to be the pathway, the career that I'm going to do, I started looking into the military a little bit, into the military. So I was very infatuated with this one branch, the Navy, and then even further into the Navy with the Navy SEALs. You guys have probably heard of the Navy SEALs, uh, maybe seen some movies, they've done different movies on them, but I was very intrigued by this group called the Navy SEALs. Do you know that it might even be lower and I might be getting the name wrong, but I think only 10% that go through the training actually make it through. 90% or 80%, somewhere in there, 80 to 90% of the people that say, I want to be a Navy SEAL, drop out by the time their training's done. There is a very, very low successful rate when it comes to the Navy SEALs. There's one week specifically, they call it Hell Week. It's a one week long. Worst part that I've, I've seen videos they have on YouTube that you can watch like this week that they've been told to only get five hours of sleep through that whole week. Five hours of sleep in a seven-day period. They're, they're doing a bunch of different things, whether it's one moment they, they lay in the beach kind of locked in arms and the waves just kind of come over top of them. They do a bunch of physical training, and it's one of the worst weeks, and that's where a lot of the people drop out, and that's in week five. Week five. I forget how long it is. It's, it might be three months or something like that, but that's five weeks in, and this is where they lose a lot of their people because they can't make it through the physical aspects, not sleeping very well. I get cranky if I don't get enough sleep. I'm going to be honest here. Let alone getting five hours of sleep within a seven-day period. And what's interesting is that even though this is a very elite branch to be a part of, and, and they get sent on some of these very intense missions to, to go after overseas and, and do a bunch of operation stuff for the military, it's a very exclusive group. It's very exclusive because in order to be in this group, you have to make it through the training. You have to be able to show that you can make it through all these weeks of training, that you have the ability under the harshest conditions to be able to carry out your duty. It's very exclusive. Not all of us can just be in the Navy SEALs if we wanted to. And they even stop after, I think it's 28 or 30, even taking you into the Navy SEALs. That's about the oldest you can be. It might even be 35. I can't remember the exact age. But they, then they stop taking you. Because they say they want young people that are ready and, and in it for the long haul. And so you even have kind of an age limit when you're working with this branch. What does that have anything to do with Christianity? Well, just like the Navy SEALs, it's a very inclusive branch of the military, a very inclusive or exclusive group to be in because you have to show that you can make it. Christianity is in the same way. We're very exclusive in the sense that if you don't believe in Jesus, you're not a Christian. It's not that we don't want you 
in, in, and we're going to dive into that in a second, we don't want you to believe in Jesus and in Christianity, but if you're not a Christian and you don't believe in God and what he did for you on the cross, then, then you're not labeled a Christian. That's what makes a Christian a Christian, is believing in what Jesus did for you, realizing your need for a Savior, and you accept Him into your heart. That makes you a Christian. And if you don't do that, it is exclusive. Because you're not a Christian. Navy SEALs, yes, they have training and different things to get into this group. You just have to realize how separate you are, how sinful and broken you are, and in need of a Savior. You don't have to go through training. You just have to realize where your heart's at. So, so maybe you see some of these different bumper, sticker, bumper stickers that say, can we just all coexist? You see all the different symbols with the different religions. And I push back a little to go, okay, what do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? Because if you mean we should all love and care and accept each other, sure, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. But if you're trying to tell me, can we all just coexist in the sense that, that all these religions lead to one place, I, I, can't, I can't accept that. Jesus has just said there's no other way to get salvation than through Him. How, how, how can I say, can we, all just, can we all just call ourselves religious and we're all going to end up in the same place? We're all traveling down the same road. I can't do that. Christianity is very exclusive in the sense that you have to believe in what Jesus did for you. That's what makes you a part of this group. That's what gets you into this relationship. That's what gets you into Christianity. Here's some interesting statements from some of these different books uh, of a couple different religions. A couple different religions. In Islam, the Quran says this, whoever seeks a religion other than Islam, it will never be accepted of him, and in the hereafter, he will be one of the losers. You can look this up. I was looking it up on the internet. It says it right there in the Quran. It also says they have certainly disbelieved who say that Allah is Christ, son of Mary. Allah has forbidden him in paradise, paradise and his refuge is fire. You don't believe in the God of Islam you're ending up in a fiery end. This is what the Quran's saying. And you've got Hinduism. Hinduism, and I can't, I'm going to not pronounce the name probably right, but it's the Bhagavad Gita. It's their holy writing. Those who are without faith in my teaching cannot obtain Krishna or enlightenment. I permeate all the universe in my unmanifested form. All beings exist in me. Basically saying, if you don't believe, you don't exist. You don't believe, you don't exist. And they believe in reincarnation, not necessarily a paradise. Okay? Buddhism, in their holy writings, they've got a bunch of different books. So you, if, if you really care to look at all, they got like three or four different holy writings. There's a passage where the title of this passage is called The Way. The Way. This is what Christians used to call themselves back in Bible times, The Way. It says, Buddhism is the only path there is, none other, for the purification of insight. Walking upon this path, you will make an end of suffering. Buddhism is the only path. That's what, that's what their holy writings are saying. And then Judaism. It's the Jewish faith. Jews believe they, they were exclusively God's chosen people. So you look at all these different 
different pieces from the holy writings of all these different religions, and they're all saying, this is the one true religion. This is the religion you should follow. This is what you should believe in. How are we supposed to decipher this? Well, Jesus is pretty clear here in Acts chapter 4. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no under name, no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. He also says in John chapter 14, verse 6, a verse you've probably heard before, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus is clear to say that I am the way, not a way. I am the way to life, to freedom, to eternal life. I am the way that, am, that, that, that is showing you how to jo- enjoy life to the most, have satisfaction in this life, how to have a relationship with me, and how to reach eternal life. This is twice now that he's said, this is, this is the way. Not all these other ways. And I think what's interesting is, in a sense, when it comes to exclusivity, all religions contradict each other. Because if we were to say they were all right, then it's like to say they're all wrong. How can they all be right? We can't all be right, or, or we would just all believe the same thing. If you're like, well, yours is a little different, but we still believe the same thing. Yours is a little different, but we still believe the same thing. Then we would just have like one overarching religion. But we don't. We can't say they're all right when there's only one that's right. There's only one that leads you to eternal life. There's only one that leads you to an enjoying, satisfying life, which is Christianity. So we can't say these are all right when they're not. We're contradicting. Or all these other religions when they say, well, well, they're all right. Well, then, if you're saying they're all right, then why does yours look different than theirs? Because even within these religions, they believe a little bit of a different outcome. It's just like if I were to get on, you know, two years ago, I got on my first plane ever. I was going to Thailand. Going to Thailand for two weeks. I was working with uh, an organization coming out of Worcester Grace called Grow Ministries. They own, like... It's kind of like an orphanage house over in Thailand. And so I said, hey, I'd love to come visit and and kind of check it out. I've never been out of the country. And so they're like, great. So we set it up. I leave in February of 2019, and I get on a plane the first time ever. So I get up. My parents drive me up. It was on a Sunday to drop me off at the Cleveland Hopkins Airport. Never been in an airport, never been on a plane. Worst idea to fly to Thailand on my first flight. It was a 23-hour flight. So that was the worst idea to do. But they dropped me off. Dropped me off. I'm freaking out because I'm like, I got to get to wherever I'm supposed to get on this plane. So I get up to the counter. Somebody starts kind of helping me check in, check my bags. And then he tells me where to go. What if I were to go up to him and I were to show him my ticket? And I was flying out of Cleveland to go to Detroit. And then I was flying to Detroit all the way to Seoul, South Korea. And then I was flying into Thailand from South Korea. What if I were to show him my ticket and say, here's where I'm supposed to go. And he told me, hey, it doesn't matter. Just get on any plane you want. It's going to get you to where you need to go. I'd be like, great. Stress is off me. I just got to pick one, probably the one that doesn't have the most people on it, so that I'm a little less crowded. I'll just pick this one. And so I get on it, and I say I get on this plane, and I land in California. 
Do you think I'm going to be very happy? No. I was supposed to be flying to a certain place. He told me just get on any of them. It's going to take you all to the same place. But once I land, it's not the place I'm supposed to be. That's kind of an unloving thing to do. To tell me that any, any plane I get on is going to get me there. How can we just kind of do the same thing when it comes to religion? And we go, hey, just choose any of them. You're going to end up in the same place. But then you choose one and you don't end up where you're supposed to be. Christianity is the road that you need to stay on, the road that leads to life. Jesus is clear, I am the way. There's no way to find salvation in any other name but me. Jesus himself is saying this. So Christianity is exclusive, but here's the other side. It's very inclusive. It's very inclusive. Let me explain here for a second. The way is for everyone, no matter anything. The way is open to anyone, no matter anything. What do you mean? John 3.16, one of my favorite verses of Scripture, says this. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Did you catch that word. Some, some say different translations say whoever believes in him, or this one says so that everyone, everyone. It doesn't matter if you have blonde hair or you have black hair. It doesn't matter if you're tall or short. It doesn't matter if you made a ton of mistakes or you haven't made very many mistakes. Whoever believes in what Jesus did for them, you can be a part of this group. We don't exclude anybody. You're not allowed to come in because you're too tall, so we don't want you to be a Christian. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. Christianity is very inclusive that whoever wants to believe, whoever wants to accept what Jesus did, we want you in this family. We want you to be a part of that. Everyone who believes in Him. Galatians 3.28 says this. Once I can turn there. Galatians 3.28 says this. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry about this like, even though I'm a part of this group, I'm on a higher playing field than this person. No, no, no. no. When it comes into this relationship, when you enter into Christianity, we're all on the same level playing field. It's all level. doesn't matter. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ now. Then Romans 10, 13 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Anyone. You don't have to have a certain criteria. You don't have to have anything put in order. If you call on the name of Jesus, realizing your sin and the separation you now have with Him, you can be in this group. That seems pretty inclusive to me. It doesn't say, oh, well, if your name starts with a vowel, then we don't want you. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, you can be in this. Christianity is the only religion that at any point 
anywhere. You can cry out to God based on what he's done, and he will forgive you and give you eternal life. It's the only religion that at this moment, if you said, right now, God, I realize what sin I have in my life, this separation in my life, that, that, that I need a Savior, you could do it right now. You could do it right now. But at the center of Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Islam, you have to do certain things, walk a certain path, hold up certain pillars, pray for forgiveness in this direction for this many times a day, maybe take a pilgrimage, and you just might get a spot in heaven. You can have security knowing that if I call on the name of Jesus and I realize what he's done for me, I have a spot in heaven. I don't have to be guessing. I don't have to work for anything. My life should change, and I should work towards a life that a Christian should live, living the way God wants me to, but I don't have to do certain things to get into heaven. I just have to realize what he did, and he punches my ticket. All these other ones have different things you have to hold up. Religion breeds insecurity. You never know if you've done enough. Never know if you've done enough, but relationship breeds security, and it's marked by unconditional love. Christianity may be this umbrella in which we are a part of this religion, but it's all about a relationship. Religion is all about how much good can I do so that I can make it into heaven? What certain times do I have to pray during the day? What certain ways do I have to hold things up in my life? Religion is all a set of rules so that you can put them in place. But this is all about a relationship that's marked by unconditional love, that, that what Jesus did is all that this is about, and that now I can talk to him, I can walk with him, I can be a part of this relationship. I don't have to keep all these rules in a sense. There are certain things Jesus wants us to do in our life that we are called to do commands he's given us, but I don't have to keep certain criteria to make sure I get my spot in heaven, that if I sin once, I'm no longer allowed in. You should feel secure in this relationship. You should feel secure in Christianity because it's about a relationship, but if you start to follow some of these other ones or check out some of these other religions, you're going to start to see what you have to do. There's certain criteria. You don't have to do anything in Christianity, but realize what he's done. It's just like our little baby Willow. I don't know where she's at right now, but our baby Willow that when she entered into this world, she didn't have to choose or, or earn her last name. You know, her last name is Brown, same as mine. But she didn't enter into this world, and she didn't say, well, well, she can't talk yet, but if she were to say, well, Taylor, what do I have to do to get my last name to be Brown? Do I have to grow my hair out long like yours? Do I have to like spicy food like you do? Do I have to exercise a lot like you do? Do I have to watch certain TV shows that mom likes to watch? Like, like, what do I have to do to earn that? Wouldn't that be silly if she came to me and was asking me, how do I learn my last, earn my last name? I mean, it would be. She's just given that. It's gifted to her because of the relationship she has with me. 
because I am a Brown and I am her dad. She earns that last name because of the relationship she has with me. She doesn't have to worry about losing that last name. It doesn't matter what she does. She doesn't, I just say, well, you've done too many bad things today. You're no longer a Brown. That's not how it works. She can be secure that knowing her last name, a Brown, is not something she earned. It was given to her based on her relationship, and she can never lose it. And just like you, based on this relationship with Jesus, that once you've accepted what he's done because of your relationship with him, you have a spot in heaven. You have a spot in this relationship, and you don't have to worry about losing it. There's nothing you have to do other than realize what your separation is with Him. I don't know if I want to be at the end of my life and wonder if I've done enough to be able to get into heaven. I don't want to stand in front of a God in terms of these other religions and wonder, did I do enough good? Did I give enough money away? Did I pay for enough meals? Did I give enough shelter to people that needed it? Did I serve in enough places to get my spot in heaven? But Jesus has promised us something when we're in this relationship. In Matthew 11, verse 28, says this. It says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Jesus will give you rest in this relationship. You don't have to be stressing out about, about am I doing enough that's going to get my spot? Am I following enough rules? Am I not sinning in, in too many ways? Just come to me. I will give you rest, this relationship. You are loved. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is a saving power of God at work in me, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Christianity is the only religion we see God, and we see God suffer because He loves us. While all these other ones say, you have to suffer and do X, Y, and Z, and you might make it. Yet we see our God, because of the love that He had for us, come down and say, I care about each and every one of you, and I don't care what you've done in your life. I'm going to die on a cross so that you can be forgiven, and you can have eternal life and enter into this relationship. And there's nothing you have to do other than just accept it, knowing that you're sinful. Say, God, I can't do it, but I see what you've done. And if he wouldn't have died on a cross, I feel like it would lessen our view of how much he loved you. That's a far thing to do to send your only son to die on a cross because he loved you. No greater love is this in John 15, than for one to lay down his life for his friends. Proverbs 14, 12 says this, and I'm wrapping up. Proverbs 14, 12. There is a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. You have to listen to what Jesus says. You have to listen that Jesus, as we looked last week, his words are something we can trust. We can trust this book. So if we can trust this book, we can listen to what he has to say 
that my name, my life is the only way you can get to heaven. Not all these other paths. This is the only way. You don't have to start working. You don't have to freak out. You know that if I believe in Jesus, I'm secure. I have a relationship and I am secured for eternity. Christianity is inclusive, exclusive, but very inclusive. It's just like, it's just like here in about a month, we're going to have the Ashland County Fair. It seems everybody goes to the fair. I'm not a huge fan of the fair, but Shannon loves going, so we go. We go. But what happens once you get up and you start, you park your car across in that field or next to the fairgrounds, whatever way you park, and then you walk across the street or walk over to the Little Red Barns, you pay them whatever it is, $5. I don't remember how it is, how much it is getting. You pay $5, and what do they give you? They give you a stamp. This is to show that you've paid and you're allowed in. And so if you get... You get that stamp, you could go in and out for that day. Then they change the color, I think, or change the stamp, and so then each day is different. But that day, you can get that stamp, and you are allowed in, you're allowed out, and now you're allowed to be a part of the fair for that day just because you have that stamp. They don't say, well, are you old enough? Well, well, you can't even see over the counter. If you hand them five bucks, they're giving you a stamp. They're not, they don't care what you look like. They don't care who you are. They're giving you a stamp if you pay them the money. There's no requirements other than the $5. But you give them the 5 bucks, you're allowed in. Christianity is like the fair in the sense that all you have to do is believe what Jesus did and you get a stamp into eternity. I don't have to look a certain way. I don't have to act a certain way. I don't have to have all these things in place. I don't have to uphold all these different things. I got the stamp. I'm into eternity. What are you going to believe? I'm just leading you, hopefully, into the right direction. I can't give you a satisfying answer in 30 minutes of time, probably. But hopefully you can see that it's exclusive in the sense that because of what we believe in, Jesus dying on a cross for your sins and mine, and if you don't accept him into your heart because of what he did for you and how separate you are from him, yes, it is exclusive. Because you can't call yourself a Christian if you don't believe in that. But it also is very inclusive that whatever, whatever you do doesn't matter. Whatever you look like doesn't matter. Anyone that believes in that can be a part of this relationship. Christianity is exclusive, but very inclusive.